the Collective Whisper Podcast with Simon K. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Collective Whisper podcast with me, your host, Simon Kay. Today, we have a very interesting episode where we're talking about Ireland's drug use, and especially in rural areas. We'll focus more on that today. We also have a very special guest, Anne Murphy, a journalist from the Irish Examiner, and she'll be joining us a bit later to tell us her take and everything. And she's written some fascinating articles and an amazing book about drugs in Ireland and drug smuggling in general. So we look forward to talking to Anne later on. And before we get into it, we'd just like to remind you, please, guys, uh, follow the show, review the show, help us out where you can, and spread the word. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get on to drug use in rural Ireland. So drug use in rural Ireland is something that has really spiraled in the last few years. And of course, in the big cities like Dublin and Cork and Limerick, we have seen drug use, you know, significantly rise over the years. But a new phenomenon has occurred in the last few years where drugs are more readily available because of, you know, internet deliveries. And obviously in the past, people used to order online from the dark web. But now with, you know, delivery services and taxis able to bring drugs to people's houses, they are far more accessible. And it's become a bit of a problem. And now we see people in these rural areas, such as farmers, and sports people and they are becoming addicted to these drugs mainly cocaine which is far easier to obtain nowadays so we're going to look at some of the facts and this you know epidemic we could call it i suppose it maybe it's a hidden epidemic at the moment but it's gradually getting worse and we just want to see obviously what the facts are what's actually happening Cocaine is the secondly most common used drug among students in Ireland. In first place for recreational drug use with its cohort is cannabis. And this is a surveyed population including undergraduate and postgraduate students aged 18 years and over. And very briefly, the most commonly used drugs are cannabis, 52%, cocaine, 25%, ecstasy, 23%, ketamine, 16%, mushrooms, 12%, amphetamines, 9%, new psychoactive substances, 8%. One in four current users say they started taking drugs before they were 16 years old. According to Ireland's drug crisis campaign, there has been a consistent increase in drug use in the Irish population since regular population surveying began in 2002, with males and young people being the most common users. So when we look at the facts in a little more detail, prevalence of drug use in the Republic of Ireland, 26.4% of Irish adults aged 15 years or older report using an illegal drug in their lifetime, 7.5% in the past 12 months and 4% in the past month. The lifetime usage of cannabis, 24%, is considerably higher than any other form of drug. The second most commonly used drug is ecstasy, 7.8%, with lifetime usage of cocaine, including crack and cocaine powder at 6.6% and 6.4% respectively. Almost a fifth, 19.9% of Irish adults have used other opiates in the past month, with 43.4% doing so in the past 12 months and 61.5% having done so at some stage during their life. 
Over 6 in 10, 62% of Irish adults have consumed alcohol in the past year and lifetime usage. So we can see, obviously, alcohol is still, you know, a big drug of choice, if you want to call it a drug, in Ireland. And, and, you know, it probably always will be. People like to consume alcohol on a weekly basis. And, you know, there's a lot more alcohol being consumed in the home now in the last few years with the rise of off-license prices and alcohol prices in general and the prices in the bar. So you could see that drug use will go along with this alcohol use in a lot of ways. When we look at, you know, some of the uses, we also have MDMA. And one of the facts is only young people in the Netherlands use MDMA more frequently than Irish people do. So Ireland ranked in ninth place out of 35 countries in terms of the prevalence of cannabis use amongst adults. France ranked highest with 22.8% of 15, 34-year-olds saying they had used the drug. The data suggests that only young people in the Netherlands use MMDA more frequently than Irish people, while Ireland had the fourth highest prevalence of cocaine use behind the United Kingdom, Netherlands and Spain. So that's quite high when you think of the size of the United Kingdom and even the Netherlands and Spain. These are big countries in comparison to Ireland. So Ireland is a small country. It's an island. And the use of drugs in the country seems to have spiraled a lot. My take on this whole situation is, I think in general, drugs are something that people use and people enjoy. And, you know, nobody is an angel. I've used drugs. I've dabbled drugs in the past. I have, you know, smoked cannabis. I think I did cocaine one time. And then I never did it after that again. But I remember being younger and I have... um, you know, used ecstasy and acid tabs. And I know people say, oh, you can't see these things now. But, you know, I, I don't believe in that. I think we have to be more honest because when we're more honest in the future moving ahead, then we can look back and say, look, I, I did these things. I experimented with them. You know, fortunately for me, I did them on a sociable, moderate scale and, you know, very infrequently. And like all my friends and everybody around you, you try them, you you try alcohol and you try these different drugs. And, you know, for some, it's a harder road because they do become addicted. And, you know, we cannot allow this to happen and, you know, say, oh, drugs are fine because the drugs are not fine. Drugs are something that some people can manage and other people can't. So for me, occasionally I might smoke a joint sometimes if I'm at a party or something and somebody offers me one, I will smoke it. But I don't, drugs are not something I use in my daily life or even weekly or monthly life. They're a very, very occasional thing. And and as for harder drugs, it's been years since I've done anything. I mean, 20 years or more. So I don't need to do it at all now. It's something that it just you, you try when you're younger. But as you'll hear me talk with Anne later on, the thing, this cancel culture thing now leaves people with this impression that they don't want to talk about their previous history of drugs, especially, for example, teachers, politicians, these kind of people. And that, you know, you can understand that. But the shame about that is we can't talk in all honesty about our lives and we can't be a good example if we have to tell lies about our own experiences. It's very strange because when you look at, you know, actors and rock stars, pop stars, and they can talk about drugs and, you know, they're more honest because it's kind of considered, oh, it's part of the rock and roll world and, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But unfortunately for politicians and people who are, you know, quote unquote, deemed responsible people and pillars of society, we shall say, these people can never talk about these things. And that's the shame because As you see now, more and more sports people who are, you know, prime and leading examples for young people have their own struggles with drugs. And unfortunately, 
some of them can only talk about it after when they become addicts and they can't say, you know, oh, I tried them once and then I didn't like them. And but I've had experiences and this is what I recommend or, you know, and this we need to have more honesty in this kind of thing. People could give me slack and say, oh, you're talking about drugs now and you're, you know, saying you did drugs. I wasn't a heavy drug user. As I said, I used them very, very occasionally and like lots of people around me. And I think it's one of these things that we have to look at some drugs and look at decriminalization because, you know, their personal use and people, you have to trust people as well. And unfortunately, with alcohol or with any kind of things, if you give people the trust and they abuse the trust or they can't handle it, it's another issue. We have to educate people. We cannot blame all the time and say, you know, hide this, hide this thing from the people, hide it from the children. You know, imagine you have a child and you say you can never have sweets and you always hide them. Well, the child will want it more. So sometimes when it's out there in plain sight and it's, you know, not such a big issue. People don't want these things as much. Look what we had with prohibition, you know, in America. You know, once you took away alcohol and once you hid it, it just created this bigger thirst for it. And unfortunately, this seems to be the situation with drugs. And now because cocaine use has really accelerated in the world today, and especially in smaller countries like Ireland, and in rural cases, we have farmers and we have sports people doing it. And in the past, people would say, no, it's more city people do it or more people involved in high finance or people involved in the music industry and actors. But now, you know, anybody can do these kind of things because drugs have become so much more cheaper. And now it's very easy for people to, you know, come across these, to find them in their local areas. And so we have the farmers who are being addicted. We have the husbands or housewives who are becoming addicted and losing all the money and jeopardizing their family's future. So we need more education and we need to stop being afraid of every drug that's out there and teach the people look, these are the pitfalls with these drugs. The thing I worry about is the more synthetic drugs that are killing people in America. And you'll hear me talk to Anne about fentanyl and these kind of drugs. These, you know, synthetic drugs that are designed to really, you know, give you the ultimate high, but are extremely dangerous and, of course, more potent if mixed badly. So in this kind of scenario we're looking at, this, for me, could be the epidemic of the future. And you will always have the people saying, oh, Gateway drugs, cannabis, marijuana leads to cocaine use. Look, I'm not an expert. Maybe they do, but it's about letting the people decide to. And if someone said to me right now, oh, so you agree it should be decriminalized? I think so. I think personal use drugs up to a certain level of drugs, you know, that are not highly dangerous should be decriminalized. Let's stop wasting money putting people in jail and giving them huge fines for carrying around, you know, a wrap of cocaine or for having, for having, you know, uh, um, cannabis or hash. I mean, come on, guys, it's a waste of time in this modern day and age. And the government, not only in Ireland, but in other countries are learning the hard way. This is not working. It's not working, this kind of, you know, procedures and policies they have, we have to look at it from a more realistic and personal point of view. I'm not advocating drugs in any way, but everybody has a choice. It's like saying I advocate alcohol. I don't. But if I want to take a drink, I can control myself taking a drink. And if, if I'm around somebody who I know can't take a drink, well, then I have to respect their wishes. And in the same way with drugs, you have to respect the wishes of the people. But 
everything is a choice in this world and it doesn't matter if it's a medical procedure, if it's the COVID vaccine, if it's drug taking, if whatever, we do what we feel is safe for us and we make that decision. And of course, in the past, this big brother attitude of, you know, you cannot have this and you cannot have that. It's, you know, it's a spin on everything. Alcohol is a very dangerous drug, too, if you consider what it does to families and society. But the government still make their money on it and people still advocate the use of alcohol and cigarettes as well. We've seen the damage cigarettes can do, you know, to people and their health. So there's lots of drugs out there. But the problem is that, you know, society says, oh, they're the bad drugs. And any drug, I think, that harms you, like, and can harm you, like, when you take it that moment, you have to look at it as being dangerous. And, of course, people will say, yeah, it depends how you use it. But, no, I think if there's a drug that's at risk to your life as you take it, then it's something we have to consider that's highly dangerous and, you know, then it's not just up to the the user, but it's up to how the government makes sure that these drugs are safer. But I think we have to look at the possibility that decriminalizing drugs and up to certain levels will help society. And it has done so in countries like Portugal. And I think now is the time to weigh this up. So we're going to go over now to Anne Murphy. And Anne is going to talk about her experience writing as a journalist and dealing with drug cases. And Anne wrote a very good book. And I'm going to tell you about that. So so Anne Murphy is an award-winning journalist. And she's a general news reporter with the Irish Examiner. Anne was previously a crime reporter at The Echo in Cork, where she spent 19 years. In 2020, she was bestowed with a prestigious Justice Media Award from the Law Society of Ireland. Mrs. Murphy was the recipient of the award in the print online journalism local category, receiving recognition for her sex for rent investigation. She graduated from the Mary Immaculate College, Ireland. She has written a book on drug smuggling in Ireland, and it was published in 2008 called Nothing to Declare, The Drug Smuggler's Deadly Trade. So welcome to the show, Anne Murphy. How are you? I'm very well, Simon. How are you? It's great to have you on. Thanks very much for taking the time. Thank you, too. So, Anne, you wrote a book uh, nearly 15 years ago now, Nothing to Declare, The Drug Smuggler's Deadly Trade. And so, obviously, when you wrote that book, it was a great story. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, all of this 440 million euros consigned of cocaine. And it was kind of a, like a big international story and everything. Have things changed with regards to the drug smuggling trade, do you think? Or, I mean, have they got better or worse? As you say, it is 15 years ago now um, since I started looking at the drug trafficking and drug smuggling because it arose out of the Dunlop Bay shipment that was recovered um, off the coast of West Cork. On July 2nd, 2007, 440 million euros was the worth of that seizure. And we haven't had any major seizures over the last 10 years or so as big as those, um, as big as that, that one. And there was another one off Castleton Bear called um, Dances with Waves. We have different methods, I suppose, of, of bringing drugs into Ireland now as well. Plus, we did in the intervening period have a fall off in interest in cocaine because of the economy, the recession that we went through after 2007, 2008, 2009 period. And it's only in the last, I suppose, five to six years that cocaine is starting to really make inroads again in Ireland. It was always, I suppose, um, associated with um, urbanised areas, city centres, booming, party, nightlife, 
life seen primarily as a clean recreational drug. And it is still seen as a party drug, still seen as a good time drug, but it's now making its presence felt in rural areas across the country in Ireland. So it's no longer as traditional as going to Dublin to collect it or going to the Cork or, or Limerick or Galway. It's now very easily accessible in nearly every parish and nearly every village across the country. How it's getting in, coming in in, in loads of different ways. One of uh, the most interesting court cases recently was one in Cork involving the seizure of cocaine, which was found on fabrics that were seized in West Cork. And th- there was a big orchestrated method of trying to take the cocaine off the fabrics. And that's something that has been used previously as well. Cocaine is regularly found coming into the country in, um, you know, in, in parcels and packets um, coming into the, um, you know, being bought online. It's always going to be a presence, I think, in Ireland. And how it's getting in will vary over time, but it's, it's never going away. Wow, that's quite interesting, isn't it? That There's new ways they're bringing it in. And I suppose a lot of people are trying to buy illicit drugs on the dark web as well. And, you know, the, these uh, kind of internet sites that are selling it. And I suppose in some way for some people, it's making it seem more normal because they're like, oh, well, it's like buying on Amazon and I get my stuff there because maybe the street dealers have changed and they've gone underground and they're selling over the web more, are they? Not even the dark web anymore assignment it's people are selling it very easily through snapchat tiktok facebook loads of different ways whatsapp groups i know that there have been cases of people going away on um you know a sports club for example in cork a couple of years ago were going traveling abroad and they had one person selected to be in charge of sourcing the cocaine for the trip away and the shopping list was for i think about 95 percent of that team were going to be taking cocaine when they were away and what kind of ages were they in their 20s in their 20s wow yes but i i have recently heard about a case of a man who was now in his 50s he began taking cocaine for the first time in his 40s he was a professional never had taken drugs before would have been seen as well educated was involved in a relationship where his partner was previously taking cocaine before she met him and he um, began taking it and whereas she didn't have any addiction issues around it he developed them quickly and ended up in treatment for cocaine addiction arising out of that. Wow, it's really interesting. And I suppose for a lot of people and in their minds, you know, they consider cannabis is still probably one of the most widely used drugs and then maybe MDMA. But I imagine that over the last few years, cocaine has really come up because it's gone from that, you know, urban kind of a thing where people in the financial sector and people where money have been using it in the past and the rural people mightn't have as much access. But as you said, a lot of that has changed now, hasn't it? A lot of that has changed now. Um, I did um, a two-day feature in the Irish Examiner in mid-March in relation to uh, cocaine use in rural Ireland. And I came across a lot of fascinating stories from talking to people. One guy I was speaking to was a senior hurler. He had never thought and illicit drug until he was 31. He became a frequent user of cocaine after coming across it on a night out with a friend of his at a house party after a night out. He wouldn't call himself an addict. He never ended up in treatment for it, but he was concerned by the level of usage and he was concerned eventually by the amount of money that he was spending unknown to his partner. They shared a home. 
And when she was away, he would take cocaine. He had a group of friends in his local parish that he would have gone out with who never knew that he was taking cocaine. He would go to his nearest town um, and hook up with what he would call acquaintances, not even close friends, but just acquaintances. And they would have um, done cocaine together and nobody in his family knew until his partner found out one day she walked in into the house and found him doing cocaine unknown to her. But he would say that he would believe that some of his teammates on his senior hurling team would probably be taking it as well. He would not know it, but he, he does believe that that would be the case because that nobody would have expected or known that he would have been taking it. Now, another person I was talking to, he regularly takes cocaine and has a taxi in Galway, brought it to his house. And he does all the deals on, online, has never met his drug dealer, but is quite happy to liaise with him online and pays um, on an online payment platform. So it's very easily uh, and very cleanly done. And then I've spoken with people who readily use it in the pub on a night out, don't even go to the toilet to do it in private because they feel so comfortable taking it with their group of friends, take it out of their pocket on, on a key or a payment card or whatever and do it quickly and uh, discreetly as possible without having to leave the table. Yeah, because probably most of the friends, they are doing the same thing. So they're not shocked by it. And whereas no. in the past, you might get one or two in a group of eight or 10 who might use it and say, hey, do you want a line or do you want this? But now it's far more prevalent and it's it's amongst all the group, isn't it? It is. And like I've been speaking with a number of people who are concerned about its use in rural areas. And one person was Pat Tehan, the Leinster Council GA chairman, and he had raised concerns about it at the Leinster GA convention earlier in March because he had heard stories about members of a GA team that he knew, not his own local GA team, but he had heard the story from a close friend that a group of GA players had been gathered at a pub and that some of them went out to meet this guy who arrived with cocaine in a car and sold it to them um, openly in a pub car park. I've spoken with a mum of young children who would tell me that she used to take cocaine after dropping her children to crash. So when her children were in crash or in school, she would be at home taking cocaine, not kind of putting together the effects that it was having on her um, on our family life, basically. Wow, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's become the norm for a lot of people, I mean, who maybe started off, you know, I know that there's this cliche of the gateway drug cannabis and stuff. But, you know, my opinion with drugs is, you know, lots of people try drugs, do drugs, and they're occasional users. But it's like anything. It's like alcohol or gambling or anything. You can be the strongest person in the world, but these things can take over you. And I suppose now the big concern, especially in America, is with the fentanyl and these drugs that are actually deadly. I mean, you get a bad batch of these and there's police officers dying and there's people dying on the streets because they're chemically engineered to be that strong and sometimes they kill people and obviously you know we had the very sad news with the Foo Fighters drummer this week with you know him dying and they found 10 types of drugs in his system so it just shows you that because it's much easier to get these drugs now 
people are normalizing it more because it's not so underground, isn't it? Yes, I mean, you've spoken with a number of people who have lost relatives to um, drugs overdoses, people who would not have been addicts, but who would have used them on a night out or, you know, at a festival or whatever. In Cork, in recent uh, weeks, there was an inquest of a young man who took drugs at a festival and he died subsequently. There's a well-known campaigner, Nicole Ryan in Cork, whose brother Alex died after taking a synthetic substance um, on a night out in Cork City as well. So it, there there are loads of examples right across the country of where people have lost their lives to cocaine, synthetic drugs, heroin, and may never have touched drugs before. Justin Campbell, he's a former Galway hurler and he's now an addiction counsellor. He said that a client told him recently that it's now easier to get drugs like cocaine online than it is to get a pizza. And I mean, that just shows how easy it is to access it in rural Ireland. You know, and you know, there, there are going to be people nowadays that are going to say, oh, well, you know, get with the times. Everybody's doing it and all of this. But I mean, that's fine. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it, you're talking about drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever. I mean, of course, we can be more open and minded about things. And, you know, there's always the question, should certain drugs be legalized? But when you have things that are legal or semi-legal or decriminalized, the question then is, are they safe? You know, are these things safe? And, you know, fair enough, people can say, oh, well, you know, cannabis can lead to other things. But cannabis doesn't kill people like cocaine does or fentanyl or these at the same rate. So the question is, it's not a question of should it be legal or decriminalized. It's a question of how do we make it safer for the people on the street? Yes, Mike Euron um, is a senior addiction counselor in Coomvera and Brewery in County Limerick. And he is a strong voice for the community. And he believes that um, to legalise or to decriminalise would be going down a dangerous route. He points out that we have big alcohol problem in Ireland and that's a legal drug and it hasn't changed anything. Like if, if we look at the courts every day, there are several cases every day that come before the courts in relation to um, alcohol use. And as Mike Guerin points out, that is a legal drug. Now, of course, we also have to look at the vast mm. amounts of money that we are putting in to, you know, prosecuting and incarcerating people in relation to drug crime in Ireland. And has that changed? Has it worked? Um, Sharon Lambert is a sociologist in UCC, and she would point that to, to that, you know, the, in relation to the criminalisation, particularly of people for personal use. Has it done anything to change? you know, the usage of illegal substances in Ireland. And what is the point, I suppose, of, of um, criminalising somebody for possession of a small amount of cannabis or cocaine or, or whatever when it affects their, you know, their, their long-term future, such as, you know, travelling abroad, uh, getting a job, maybe guard vetting, etc. So it's like it is an area that has to be examined, I think. And it is a pity that the, um, the Drugs Citizens Assembly has been pushed on the line um, here in Ireland because it had been included in the programme for government but now with this emergency there's no commitment to a date for hearing it and there is concern about that because that if we had been um, in a position to hold the Citizens Assembly on the drugs issue then maybe the way we deal with drugs possession and drug use in Ireland would be looked at and possibly addressed with different, uh, different ways of looking at it because some families are, you know, they're concerned that 
uh, dual diagnosis is not something that's put on the pedestal here in Ireland because for many people there is a link between addiction and their mental health but in order to get treatment you have to have a clear bill of mental health and they're not treated together they're not treated as the same strand only two separate strands and families find that very difficult when they when they're trying to get help for their loved ones yeah and you know the whole issue of i suppose decriminalization and you know prosecuting drug users is that you know when we consider like who gets prosecuted you know in the past you would say always oh, the drug dealers or the the junkies on the street but the truth is now you have these well-to-do people and you have business people and you have top sports people using it so if you are actually were to catch all of those people using it at one time you would be shocked at how many people would be prosecuted and then you would kind of say does it do any good the whole prosecution so like you say there if that money and that time and investment and effort could go into actually educating people and not prosecuting them but helping them and rehabilitating them I'm sure it would be a much better road because we're never going to get away from the problem of alcohol and drugs and recreational things that people use these things will always be around I think in the same way if you get behind the wheel of a car with alcohol in your system well, then, of course, you should be punished for this because you made that decision and, you know, you didn't take the time. So it should be the same with drugs. But, you know, obviously, when they're catching people for possession of drugs, you're kind of saying, well, you're not allowed to have that and you're not allowed to use that. And now we're going to prosecute you rather than saying, why are you using it? And tell me the reason. And, and you know, rather than being a, an ear to help that person they choose to prosecute them and sometimes that's a waste of time isn't it well i think we're looking solely at drugs um from a criminal justice perspective when i when it's actually probably more so a health perspective that mm. we should be looking at it from the amount of money i suppose that it, that is put into you know our legal system and our uh, penal system and there is an absence i i believe of a concentration on um provision of services through the public system for people who have a dual diagnosis. And I think that's an area that certainly has to be looked at a little bit more, a lot more possibly, um, in order to make sure that people who do end up in addiction are helped from a health perspective as well, because it's all very well and good to put somebody into prison cell because they've been caught breaking the law. But the, as you say, the reason for why they break the law is an addiction on many occasions. And in order to prevent something happening again, then that addiction has to be treated. Yes. And do you think then that it's more prevalent amongst, let's say, younger males or do you think it's very equally balanced between males and females? Well, I, I've been speaking with guards about this, particularly in the and the dealing front. It does appear to be more males than, than females. But as one guard in um, drug enforcement said to me, maybe it's just that, that uh, females are cleverer in not getting caught. It's a bit difficult to know, but we, we have had a number of cases over the last couple of years where women have been caught for dealing drugs. Now, I have been speaking with a number of women who are you know, who are using cocaine regularly. So I do not think it's as simple as saying that it's made mostly young men. It's probably seen as a primarily a young men's game from the perspective of dealing because they're a lot easier to spot, I suppose, with the trappings of wealth that's associated with drug dealing, such as, you know, the fast cars, you know, the high-grade uh, sports clothing, etc. But it is the case that women are also involved in it. It's just that it might not always be as prevalent and, and as, you know, visible to the eye. But I, th I think it's at the moment, 
definitely is a case of women and men, girls and boys all using at the moment. Yes. And, you know, obviously, when we talk about drugs nowadays, the big drugs coming in are synthetic drugs, a lot of them. And, and I'm sure because of that, the price has gone down because, you know, one time if somebody wanted to get a wrap of cocaine or a line of cocaine, they probably paid a lot. But now it, the price has come down a lot. So it's become more recreational and people can afford it. Obviously, if you become addicted and you're using it a lot, then you're you're spending all your money and you're selling things and stealing things like, you know, as most drug users end up doing to facilitate that use. Mm -hmm. But with the synthetic drugs, like the one I mentioned there, the fentanyl in America, is that here a lot as well, fentanyl? I wouldn't say it's here a lot. I have come across, you know, incidents of it, but it wouldn't be very, very common here in Ireland. But synthetic drugs are, uh, people are buying products online, not really knowing what they are and you know like you go onto the different websites and there's different shopping lists and new names for them emerging all the time because you know the people involved in this huge industry are making different combinations of, of chemicals all the time and so when they arrive here nobody really knows what they are and what they're taking to be honest it's kind of scary because if that drug fentanyl is not really here yet it's kind of scary for the future because you kind of see what's happening in america and you're wondering if that hasn't arrived in a lot of countries where there is a lot of drug use and the day it does arrive, it, it changes things because not only are you going to see, you know, lots more deaths, but you're going to see, obviously, people getting addicted easier and everything. So we could be facing a major epidemic over the next 10 years with the synthetic drugs in Ireland, couldn't we? Another thing that we have to look out for here, too, is the arrival of crack cocaine. That's getting to be an issue as well in Ireland. And we all know what that did to rural America. So it's certainly a cause for concern, the use of, of crack cocaine in Ireland as well, even though it's primarily in urban areas at the moment. And it isn't extremely visible, but there has been cases highlighted in Dublin. There have been a number of cases in Cork where it has been seized by guards. And we've also been notified by people working in addiction centres about people already presenting, talking about how easy it is to get something like crack cocaine on the streets in Ireland. And, you know, see, this is the thing about drugs, isn't it? When people talk about drugs, like we're having this conversation now, and then obviously the people who are using drugs or younger people who feel they want to use drugs, they kind of feel like they're being preached to. And, you know, it's my life and I should be allowed to do what I want. But obviously their families have to live with the consequences and their partners and their children. And so, you know, it's not that easy just to say, oh, let us do what we want. And I do agree with you, it, much like a lot of other things that are legal, it doesn't mean people stop doing them less. I think what happens is that, you know, people learn with experience and age. And, and obviously, the older you get, once you get into your 30s and 40s, maybe you have dabbled and you've tried things and you've said, oh, I, I, I wouldn't like that. Or I went through it and, and, you know, I learned my lesson and I was lucky I get out of it. But it's if for a lot of younger people, they kind of feel like when they see these talks about drugs and they see these conferences and the you know, politicians and journalists and radio presenters and every kind of thing talking about them, they feel like they're preaching, don't they? Yes, and I suppose they feel as well that, look, you know, this is our lives and we want to be able to experiment. We want to be able to, to do what we'd like to do. I suppose choice is something that's emerging more and more in Ireland compared to previous generations where I suppose we were under, you know, a lot of establishment rule in Ireland previously, you know, under the church and authority in general. And I think the, the up-and-coming generation, they really feel freer than previous generations 
to be able to explore and to be able to make their own choices. But I suppose, as you say, the benefit of experience, I suppose, is a good thing. You know, from the young people's perspective, there is a lot of, of ways of accessing different things now. And, and it's not something they worry about because all their friends are doing it. All the people that they aspire to be that are older than them, um, you know, in, in heroes that they have in their, you know, put on pedestal that they can see that they're doing these things and they want to be like them. So then they also see the riches that come with dealing drugs and they want to be in that position. They want to be able to have more money. They want to have, you know, the, the fancy cars, the fancy clothes. One of the women that I interviewed for that piece in the examiner recently told me that she became involved in a relationship with a drug dealer because of the fancy clothes, the fancy cars, the fancy holidays. It's a lot more than telling people, look, you know, about your health or your the dangers of it or, you know, you don't know where that's after coming from. It's a lifestyle that attracts these young people too. Of course, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's the trappings of success in a way because we all know that somebody can get involved with somebody because they seem successful. And then if you find out, oh, it's because they're doing drugs, do, are you brave enough to walk away? Or do you say, well, I enjoy the lifestyle and the standard of living maybe. So it's obviously when things are going good, people don't want to leave. But when things turn nasty or turn bad, then they're like, oh, I should have left. So it's easy to look back on those things. But, you know, I, I feel now is a time as well, I suppose, for parents to be more honest with their children, because we all know growing up that, you know, if parents would say to the kids, don't smoke and don't do marijuana and don't do this. And they'd say, did you ever do it, dad or mom? And they go, no, no, no. Because we always have this thing in our lives of like this kind of cancel culture, where if older people talk about their experience with drugs, they're afraid they'll be judged. And also that, you know, they could lose their jobs. And especially when you think of politicians, for example, you know, politicians are there and they're talking about drug laws. And, you know, of course, in their past, maybe they have dabbled, as a lot of people have when they were younger with marijuana and cocaine and stuff. But they can never talk about that because of the position they're in. So that's why these things are still very taboo. And it would be a great thing if people could, you know, come out and say, oh, look, I've tried this drug and I've done this and it wasn't a good experience for me. So I'm just giving you my opinion. But it's a very hard thing for people to do, isn't it? It is. As you say, cancel culture is, is a big thing now right across the world for somebody in a political sphere to come out and say that they were a regular user, you know, as opposed to being an addict. Because I think it's the users that, you know, the, the recreational users that are what tempts people to go down that line. If, if, and certainly I think if, if somebody was to come out in the political sphere and, and admit to that, yeah, it would be a cancel culture result there. I think you talk about parents there and, and the necessity for them to be honest with their children, you know, about their usage. I think it, it, that just brings to mind another thing that I have come across is the problem for parents when their young people get involved in drugs and amass big drug states. I've heard a number of recent cases of families being targeted violently because of drug debts run up by their kids. Launch arts and things. Indeed, yes. Are situations where young people have been given drugs on tick and they rapidly run up debts with the drug dealer and can't pay them back. And then the drug dealer obviously wants to get the money back and brings in enforcers to make sure that the families, you know, see how serious this is and, and that the, the money needs to be paid. And I know of one situation in Munster where a family had to take their third level student out of college because they could not afford to send 
him to college because of the drugs that, that they needed to pay back for their son after he became involved in drug taking after starting his college course. It's just about levels, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like because especially in Ireland, people say, well, you know, I can take a drink and I'm OK with the drink. But everybody is different. And, you know, the circumstances where two young people start drinking and one's life can dictate how much they drink and the circumstances of their life can dictate that where the other person can say, oh, you know, I have a drink on Saturday night, Sunday, and then, you know, I'm fine. I don't do anything on Monday and Tuesday and so on. Whereas the other person maybe, you know, feels they need it or they have problems or, or they just have a more addictive nature. So I'm sure with the drug culture at the moment as well, people start off on a recreational basis, but then they find on Mondays and Tuesdays, maybe they want a hit of something. And like you said, the mother leaving the kids in the crash, that's not a weekend thing. That's the during the week thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's a, um, a full on, you know, 24 seven habit that has evolved into an addiction in, in a case like that. And I have spoken with the guy who was a farmer in West Cork and he took cocaine on a night out in West Cork 18 years ago. And it became such a big problem for him that he ended up in prison on a regular basis because he was stealing and committing other crimes in order to get money for drugs. He is now um, out of treatment, but he is very aware that at any stage he could become addicted again. And so he's had to shed all the acquaintances and friends that he had in his previous life as a user um, in order to make sure that he will be able to stay off the drugs. And, you know, that's quite interesting because, you know, there's always been this stereotype of, you know, the boy racer and the fast car, city life and so on, taking drugs, you know, and having this lifestyle. But we never kind of put the farmer, the rural person into that. But now, obviously, things have changed. And maybe, you know, as you said, that was 18 years ago. So it was happening. but We didn't hear about it as much. And the TV shows and the TV stations didn't uh, glamorize that they didn't say oh here's Mick the farmer taking cocaine in the cow shed they always had it like the the guys in the strip clubs like in love hate and so on and being in the city apartments it was always more about the city wasn't it rural life was never really shown no you know there have been incidents of, of farmers getting caught for dealing as well and you know people coming to as you mentioned the cow shed to hand over you know the the money for their next deal and stuff like that so it isn't something that made the glamour of the TV screens as yet, but it's certainly, you know, it is the reality of rural Ireland today that it is as common for a farmer to take it as it is for a professional in the bright city lights. Yes, well, especially when it's much easier to get it. And, you know, in, in much the same way, like you mentioned earlier, if the farmer can order a pizza now, he can order cocaine. And, you know, it's not just the city thing. You have delivery services all over. And, you know, I see it here in Spain even now. You, there's so many delivery drivers around and you always kind of wonder, I wonder is he delivering only food? Because you never know. And it's so easy to tie, you know, drugs in with all of these other things because they're going in that direction. And people say, oh, well, they can bring bring it and it's you'll get it like that as you mentioned you buy it on snapchat or other platforms so unfortunately it's become far easier for the dealers to put it out there hasn't it it has absolutely it is just so, so easy now everything is at the touch of a button literally you order online you pay online and it you don't even have to worry about having to go and collect it because it's it's delivered to your door just finishing up then and you know do you think obviously when you look at some countries like portugal they kind of decriminalize drugs and stuff do you think that for ireland that 
we will only follow suit like with a country like England? Or do you think that the government will ever be brave enough to make a decision like decriminalization? Or do you think, how do you think it will move forward in the next few years? Well, we did have an examination done by an Oireachtas committee looking at the situation in Portugal and to see how that evolved. And there was recommendations made, you know, that we should probably, you know, go looking at following the Portuguese route. But it, it was never, you know, pursued. It was a changed government. And it had been hoped that the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs would again look at that issue and the possibility of decriminalisation for personal use. But we're still in that position that we don't even know when the drugs assembly will be held. And so basically we're in a bit of a no man's land at the moment in relation to that area. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of wonder if they decriminalise cannabis, for example, and then said, OK, we'll start there. But it's like they're not sure. Do we decriminalise like three or four different drugs at one time? Do we start with one drug and see what the outcome is over a few years? I think they're not sure how to approach this either, are they? Well, I think it's not even decriminalizing cannabis or, you know, any specific drug. It's looking at that somebody wouldn't be criminalized or prosecuted for possession as opposed to possession for dealing. It's it's possession, mm. simple possession yes. for personal use. So I think that's the approach that would be considered here. I, I don't think we'd, we'd be looking to go any further than that, to be honest. Yes, yes. Thanks very much, Anne, for coming on and um, shedding some light on, you know, that situation. And uh, as I said, you know, it's one to keep an eye on, isn't it? Because hopefully things will change in the future, but it's a slow road and and anything to do with drugs kind of usually hit a really high peak in a bad way before something's really done. So hopefully, I'm hoping that we don't see a major epidemic in the next few years, you know, with these synthetic drugs. And hopefully we're learning our lessons and we're kind of figuring out how to do it and we can avoid that, no? Indeed, absolutely. But I think we've got a long way to go on that front here. Yes. Listen, Anne, thanks very much for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you and more for everybody. Thank you very much. Okay, and thank you very much for coming on and giving us some amazing information and interesting information. But also it's pointing towards a more deadly thing happening in the future and especially in the rural areas. So we have to keep our eyes open and watch and hopefully this will not get worse and the government hopefully has to do something about it. So all I want to say is to everybody who's listened to the show today, you know, some people might say it's a little controversial and some people mightn't agree with some of my words. And, you know, I'm sure everybody has their own experiences with drugs or with family members who have taken drugs. And all I can say is we're not advocating drug use in any way. We're trying to highlight something here and, you know, just telling my own story, you know, being being a youngster and seeing how many people do it. And nowadays, I think it's far more prevalent among the young people in society, especially in Ireland and other countries. So whatever people used to do in the past, it's being used far more in society. So we want to thank Anne for coming on and we hope you enjoyed listening to the show. And if you've been affected by anything in the show, we will put some helplines down below. And again, we're not here to advocate anything. We're here just to inform and to tell the listeners about what's happening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. My name is Simon K. This is the Collective Whisper podcast. And thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Until the next time, look after yourself and your family. Bye-bye.